Um, are you positioned for your transition? It's like the subtitle. So that was powerful and, and very insightful. And that big picture uh, piece definitely touched me as well, Pastor Mel. So, um, so yeah, so what's your location? I know when I saw the artwork, I always kind of look at that first and say, hmm, what did Pastor Keith create? Because the man is definitely putting in a lot of work when it comes to this art, a lot of thoughtfulness to it. So I just want everyone to give him a round of applause, seriously. Because it's, no, seriously. Because we look at it and we take it for granted, like, oh, that just happened. No, someone, I know what it takes to do that. Like, I had to do that in college, right? I haven't done it in a while, but you got layers, you got gradients, you got color scale, right? So it's, so it's time consuming, but it's, it's more than that. It's creative, right? And God is speaking to Pastor Keith because he is our pastor of our church. So he's connected at all times. So to create all the things that he creates is powerful, and I appreciate it. And I don't take it lightly. All right, so what's your location, right? So how many times have anybody been to the mall and you see the little you are here sign when you go to the little kiosk piece and trying to find out where you are? Uh, I'm not that person, all right, truth be told. I'm just not, I, I probably should be. Uh, I try to, most people will, you know, just walk the mall, right? You feel like you're gonna find what you're looking for. But wouldn't it be a lot easier just to go to the kiosk and see the little you are here sign, right? And people can't, look. Oh my goodness, so truth be told, me and Siobhan went to the mall today, and we went, uh, we, we came in, and there was a lady, like literally looking like she was just like studying that thing. I don't know how long she was there, but she was there when we got there. We went to the store, bought some things, came back, and she was still there studying the thing, so I probably should have helped her, and I didn't, but um, I just thought about that right now. Uh, that, was, that was my opportunity. That was missed my opportunity, but I, glory to God, she found what she was looking for. <laughs> We'll never know. We'll never know. But <laughs> glory to God, please help that woman find that gift. I know she was looking for that gift. But so, so what we, 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 we take for granted the location of places. And you, first and foremost, you got to find out where you are, right? If you don't know where you are, there's no way that you're able to go to where God wants you to go. That direction of the Holy Spirit is guiding you, right? So we got to find out what's our location, and we got to pay attention to the you are here sign. So how do we locate that you are here sign? How do we find that? Okay, we're going to be talking about that today. Uh, so something that came to my mind as I was studying this, this message and God put it in my heart is about the presence of God, right? We are here, so automatically God is here right? Because we are in the presence of God. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's all-knowing. But there's a big difference in being in the presence of God and experiencing God. And I think we blend those lines. Like, they're blurred lines. It's like, okay, well, I'm alive. I have breath in my lungs. I'm able to walk. I'm able to talk. I'm in the presence of God. I'm good, right? I'm in the presence of God. Everything's... But are you experiencing God, right? So how do we experience God? Um, Deuteronomy 4, 28 comes to mind, or 29, rather, in James 4, 8. So you guys want to write those down and take a look at them later on. But it's Moses talking to, in Deuteronomy, Moses is talking to the children of Israel, right? God draws near to those who seek him with their entire heart and soul. So why was it important for Moses to say that to the children of Israel? Does anybody know the answer to that? God, no, I got you. God draws near to those who seek him, seek him with their entire heart and their soul. It was important because the children of Israel were a little fickle at times, right? 
they, you know, the idol piece, and they were complaining, and there were some things with them, but of course they were, you know, uh, uh, blessed, blessed children, and, and, and God wanted to take them out of, of slavery and bondage and put them to the promised land, but Moses had to remind them, like, look, you have to seek God with your entire heart. He didn't say your entire soul. So I went back and studied to make sure I, I read it right. It said entire heart and soul. So why did it say entire heart? Because your heart is your location. Period. Your soul is your decision maker. Your soul is kind of how you think things through, how you, you know, your, your, your flow, your, 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 your mindset. But your heart is your location, right? So we have to make sure that we're not treating God like a revolving door, right? I know when I was a child, I'm not sure how you guys flow, but when I go to a store when I was a kid and I saw this big revolving door, y'all probably still do it, huh? Harold started smiling at me like, yeah, man, that one the other day. <laughs> he just started smiling. But no, so I, as a kid, I'm going through the revolving door because it's fun. You, you in and then you out. And you in and then you out. Carter and Austin do it all the time. But why do we enjoy that so much, right? Because it's fun, right? It, it seems harmless. It seems like you can't. You, but we're doing that with God. We're treating God like a revolving door. We're in the presence. <laughs> Praise you, Father. Thank you. But I'm going to go ahead and get out of the presence real quick just because. So when are we going to make the decision to go in the door and stay and not go through that revolving door, Right? That's how you experience God. God's omnipotent and omnipresent. He's everywhere, all-knowing. But we oftentimes go in the revolving door, and then we go out of the revolving door. We have to make a decision to go in and stay in. All right? I want everybody to turn to John 15, 5 for me. And I'll be reading out the uh, New Living Translation. And this is Jesus. You guys, for, for those who have your phone or, or in your Bible, this is red text. It's all important, right? But when, when I see that red text, I get a little flutter. I get a little butterfly in my stomach. Not how you guys feel about it. So it says, yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So the vine. The vine is the stalk. The vine is the source. The vine is what is feeding all the nutrients to those branches. That's allowing those branches to actually come from out of the stalk, out of the vine, right? That's Christ. Those who remain in me, so not revolving. That's what I'm telling you. Not revolving. Remain in me. You got to go through that door and stay there, right? We got to continue to experience, not just merely be happy with the presence because we're alive, we're in the presence, but are we experiencing the presence? You guys understand what I'm saying? Okay, thank you. And I in them. So obviously God draws near to those who seek him with their entire heart. So I in them. You have to draw close to God first before he's able to come close to you. But he wants you to come close to him, right? And we're not doing God a favor. God is God. God is always God. God always will be God, right? He loved us first. That's why he gave us Christ. But in order for us to really transition to fulfillment, really live the life that he wants us to live, we're going to have to do some work first, right? 
We're going to have to draw, draw to him. And I in them will produce much fruit. Much fruit. What does that mean to you? What does that fruit mean to you? What does that look like to you? When I hear the word much fruit, I'm thinking about setting people free, bringing people to Christ, maybe some financial increase along the line so I can bless somebody else and be a blessing, right? Put people in position so they can take care of their families, right? So into my wife so she can unlock all those gifts that she has inside of her and all that talent you have. Girl, yeah. My kids, when I'm praying with them at night, when, I'm, when, I'm, when, I'm, when we're having Bible study and I'm showing them the stories on, on YouTube and we're talking about it and they get it. Man, those kids get it, man. So we got to make sure that we are in Christ, remain in Christ, not just in Christ, right? It can't be a revolving door. In Christ, remain in Christ, he and us, we're the branches, he's divine, and we get that fruit. Then we multiply. Then they multiply. Then they multiply, right? That's how this thing works. So where's our location? I know something I unfortunately used to get caught up in, uh, especially at work. It's really easy to get caught up in at work. When someone's not really doing the right things or saying the, wrong, the, the right things and, you know, kind of teetering that line of inappropriateness, let's call it that. Us as Christians, right, us as believers, how often are we speaking up, right? Because silence is, is an action, right? So spiritual roll call is what I call it, what? So when, when time comes, are we saying present? Or are we just kind of existing like, man, we don't, I didn't say it. Are we turning up the cheek? What are we doing? Now, I'm not telling anybody to be confrontational. You don't want to get fired from your job. Y'all looking at me like, man, I ain't getting fired, though. <laughs> That's them. They talking crazy. But are we tolerating it? Because I know what I used to do, you know, kind of a fickle, fickle Christian. It's really not a Christian if you're just fickle, right? There's no such thing. No in between, right? But I used to kind of egg it on a little bit, you know, maybe instigate it. Oh, man, you crazy. Yeah, man, yeah, yeah. She's straight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what are we doing, right? So we got to make sure that we not only, not only in the presence, experiencing the presence of God, but also make sure that we're present when the spiritual roll call happens. We don't want to deny Christ like Peter did, right? We don't want to have to go through experiences to, to learn what to do. We have enough experiences from the word of God that tells us what to do, right? Learn from Peter, right? Don't deny Christ. When that spiritual roll call happens, make sure that we're present. Does that make sense? All righty. So let's go ahead and, um, so speaking, <laughs> speaking of spiritual roll call, I know a book that I used to read that was very exciting to me as a kid. I'm not sure how you guys feel about it. Where's Waldo? Raise your hand if you used to read Where's Waldo books. I used to love Where's Waldo. Man, that, man, that dude used to blend with everything. Like he had his little cane, his little shirt, but I couldn't find this guy. Like, I really, like, really used to find this guy, like, man, where is he? Where is he? And when you find him, you get excited, right? Used to be in the jungle, used to be at the amusement parks, used to be inside the sea, right? So are you playing Where's Waldo with God? Or are you spiritually visible? Spiritual roll call, present, or are you kind of blended in? Just chilling. Stop chilling. Stand out. Speaking of standing out, God talks about a light that's supposed to shine bright, right? 
Let's go to Matthew 5.14. All right? So we don't want to be where's Waldo. We want to be spiritually visible. So in Matthew 5.14.15, it says, You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. Your light is not what you do, it's who you are. So are you a light or do you really have a flashlight? Right? Because if you have a flashlight, you have light, right? You can, you can turn it on, you can turn it off. Are you present? Spiritual roll call, right? So, so if you are a light, you're always shining. You're always a beacon. You're always on. You're always in rotation. You're always illuminating. But if you just have a flashlight, that's material, that's surface, that's an instrument that can be manipulated. Spiritual roll call, are you present? Uh, maybe it's just for me. I don't know. God gave this to me for a reason. All right? So your light is not what you do. It's who you are. Um, Hebrews 4, 13. You have to turn to it. I'll read it real quick. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one to whom we are accountable. So you're not fooling yourself if you have a flashlight. Or should I say you're not fooling God, rather. You're only fooling yourself if you have a flashlight right? So God knows where you are, but what's your location? Do you know where you are? And again, how do we find out where we are? What, what's the measurement? Your heart. Say it again. Your heart. That's what dictates where you are. So to, to what God gave me, the three things that dictate your heart, number one is faith. Go ahead and write this down. The next one is obedience. Oh my God, I don't know, Ty said that. It all blends in. And the last, the most important to me is integrity. You can't manipulate integrity. That's who you are when no one's around. That's what you do when no one's around. It's those thoughts, it's those actions when no one's around. Obviously God, because he's omnipotent and all-knowing and omnipresent so he sees it Christ sees it you know what you're doing so the first two people can kind of show that right flashlight faith <laughs> I got faith I believe yeah everything's gonna work out man everything's good I'm telling you everything is good off by yourself faithless hopeless Negative talking, negative thinking. Things ain't going to work out. But when I see Robert, hey, man, things good, brother. Good to go. Thanks for asking. Get in my car. Flashlight off. I'm just being honest. I'm being real. I'm being honest, being real. I've had moments where I came in here and flashlight on. Hey, Stella. Hey, Marcus. Things good. Get home. Man, I can't stand myself. I can't stand my situation. Why did I do that again? I'm yelling at my kids. I have no patience with my wife. What am I doing? So what are you guys doing? So it ain't just about me. I ain't in this alone. Right? So again, so faith, obedience, integrity. Right? Faith, obedience, and integrity. Integrity is like the glue that holds it all together. Because again, obedience. I top today, Pastor Keith. Get y'all some money. I'm obedient. Flashlight off. 
man, I ain't believing for nothing. I don't know what y'all doing with the money. I ain't seeing no return on it. Because my heart is jacked up. What's your location? My heart is jacked up. So, of course, I don't, you know, it doesn't matter. Give cheerfully, not grudgingly. That's just a little, little plug. Yeah, a little, little extra nugget. Don't mind, don't mind God. He's working. All right, so, guys, so Psalms 119.11. This is something that was real good that God gave me. So, uh, I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Why doesn't it say mind? It says hidden in my heart. Has anybody ever thought about that? I was talking to Siobhan, and we kind of came to like a little bit of an impasse. So then we kind of talked it through, and then prayed, and the Holy Spirit came and kind of gave, gave us an answer. So your mind and your memory fails you. We were on the way to the mall today, and um, Siobhan was like, okay, uh, I don't have my phone. We got to the little end of the little driveway, got, got to turn around, and she went inside. I said, oh, babe, go grab me a water while you go get your phone. And then that way I'm not thirsty on the way to the mall and we'd be good. So she gets out, you know, like she does, and she goes and she's all cute and stuff. And I'm looking at her like, dang, my wife is beautiful. And she goes and she gets uh, inside and she comes back out. We start pulling off again. I start drinking my water she got for me. She said, dang it, I didn't get my phone. I said, but that's the main mission that you went in there for. So how didn't you get the phone? She's like, I don't know. The reason why we're going to the mall to take some shoes back. This, this is actually the, the bigger purpose of actually going to the mall to take some shoes back. So we, we start going. I say about uh, 20 minutes to the drive. Dang it, I didn't get the shoes. <laughs> right? She didn't have the shoes. So she went back, got the phone. No, yeah, no phone. No, but we went back, got the phone. I got my water, but we didn't have the main reason, the, the shoes. So your memory fails you. But your heart never will. Your heart is, is eternal, right? Your heart is everlasting. Your heart is what God created to be the most sensitive part of your entire existence, your entire being, right? So that's why things got to be stored in your heart, because your memory fails you, your heart never will, okay? We said it a little bit more eloquently earlier today. How'd you say it? Mm. Mm. Hold on, I'm going to let her say it because I, I I'm going to mess that up. He wanted you to hide it in your heart because the word of God is love, because God is love, and he is the word, and so it's in your heart because your heart holds love, mm. and that's what it's meant for. <laughs> your, heart, your heart holds love because that's what it's meant for. So that's why it's not in your mind. Because your mind, your mind changes so much. It's so fickle. You, it races so much, and you, you're thinking about this, and you're thinking about that. If you just store a word in your heart, it will never manifest because your heart is what pumps everything out. And your heart is the strongest muscle in your entire body. So it's working hard for you. Are you working hard for it? All right. So when most people think of position, they think about it physically, in a physical sense of where they are, where they want to go, or a job, or a promotion, or a family, or I want a husband, or I want kids, I want to live in this particular house. But God thinks about it spiritually, and that's the way we have to look at it as well, okay? We can't look at it from a place of position of where I am in, in a physical sense. God wants to cross over and think about it in a spiritual sense, okay? So my story... Uh, this time last year, I was actually unemployed uh, of a job that I worked for about four years. 
And the reason why I got that job is because I got unemployed before that. I got laid off from another company. Yeah, also, yeah, it was different. It wasn't that wasn't my day, but I got this job, and and I loved it. Like I, I worked my way up, man. As as I usually do. Like when I get a job for whatever reason, you know, I I start from the bottom, and they're like, "Come on." Maybe I'm just that token. Like, I don't know. I never figured it out yet. But they're like, come on, come on, come on. And, and I started working my way up, working my way up, working my way up. I became a sales manager, and I loved my job. But I loved the position, right? So I was stuck in loving the blessing instead of really appreciating the blessor. You know what I'm saying? So we get so caught up in thinking that the blessing is what, what, we're, what we're designed to have. No, loving the blesser is more important than the blessing. So I got caught up in comfort, you know, comfortability and complacency and laziness and things started slipping. Then I started going off on the deep end because guess what? I was idle in my position. So the position became my idol. Right? I got stuck in the mud of where I was instead of understanding where God wanted to take me. The only way you can get to fulfillment is if you transition from your position. And I'm not just talking about your job. A job is a physical thing that anyone can get. You work hard enough, you have the qualifications, you network enough, you run your, your, your mouthpiece enough, you'll be able to get the job that you want. But maintaining it takes a little bit of work. Excelling in it takes a little bit more work. But transitioning from the, the physical position that you are in will take God's work. It will take your entire heart. I ain't forgot about that part. Right? So what really kind of stood out to me when I was saying this out, and I just want to kind of just because I know we throw, when you throw idol out in church, some folks might be like, oh, there's no idols. I'm not saying you, are, you got all the bunch of idols and you're you know, praising some gold calf or anything like that. I'm not saying that. But let me just read the definition of what an idol actually is. Because when I heard it, the guy, I was like, I Worship no idols. It's talking about God. Y'all be surprised. Idol is anything that receives our worship but isn't God. Period. Anything that receives our worship but isn't God. So it's really not that deep. It's really, 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 really thin ice, really thin line when it comes to worshiping God and worshiping an idol. Who's on the throne of your heart? Who sits there? Is it God? Or is it these fresh you know, shoes I just got? Is it this new car that I want? Is it that woman I've been checking out that I've been wanting to talk to? Is it the job that I've been looking for? Is this promotion I've been begging for? Is it our kids' football games? I mean, what is it? Like, what, what, is, that, what is on the throne, right? What are you worshiping more than you're worshiping God? Because remember, the blesser is more important than the blessing. All right. So the story of the cupbearer really came to my mind as well. Uh, you know, when Joseph was in prison, he interpreted dreams. Uh, there was a baker, there was a cupbearer, and the cupbearer uh, had the, the better of the dream, obviously, <laughs> for those who know the story, the little insider. So, <laughs> so <laughs> right. So the baker ends up dying when he gets released from prison, and then the deal was when the cupbearer got released, he was going to, you know, put a good word into Pharaoh and say, hey, you know, let my man Joseph out. He ain't really do nothing. She was pushing up on him. And I really want him to be out here because he, the boy can interpret dreams and he can really help our kingdom, Pharaoh. So that was the deal. That was the agreement they had. 
But when the cupbearer got out, what did he do? He got idle in his position. Because guess what? The position was given back to him. I'm the cupbearer. But when he was in prison, he was all humble, right? It's easy to be humble when you're struggling. It's easy to be in humility when, you, when you're down and you're out and you're around other people that are struggling with you. It's easy to be humble. But when you're back on that position, it's what happened to me. I was struggling. I was in the unemployment line in our second year anniversary with little Carter at like two or three. Austin was on the way. Oh, it was a trip, man. I was like, I don't know how you're going to get me out of this one. <laughs> like, Faith was on a million at that point. I ain't going to lie. I was like, Lord, please, you got to do something. We over here collecting all kinds of stuff. Give me all the assistance you have, sir, <laughs> ma'am. I need, we need all of it. As you can see, our situation. <laughs> it was bad, man. It was bad. But, but it wasn't the end. And unfortunately, I was humbled. And, you know, I'm praising God and I'm thanking God. But once I got that position, I got idle. I got, yeah, yeah. I was, I was the cupbearer. I was like, mm, got my position. <laughs> You guys don't need your assistance anymore. Think I'll take that car and I'll buy this house? Yeah. So we can't get idle in our position or the position will become our idol. That makes sense? All right. So when God gives us a platform, we can either perform or transform. Performances are surface. Transformations grow roots. I got you. I'm going to back it up. When God gives us our platform, we can either perform, which is your position, you're happy there, you're good there, you're working out, or you can transform, Romans 12, 2. Performances are surface, transformations grow roots. Right? So what's the number one natural cause of death? Anybody know? So I, I hear heart attack. I hear stress. Anybody else want to weigh on it? Someone said heart disease. That individual would be right. <laughs> well, yeah, well, heart attack, heart disease. So, but it's not, it's not much different from the supernatural. In the natural, heart disease is the number one cause of death. In the supernatural, heart disease is the number one cause of death. We're talking about eternal death, though. Because when you have, you know, heart disease in the natural, they have, not cures, they have treatments and they have other things and medicines and things that you can, like, get into to, to help your, you know, your, your, your heart and give you pills, things like that. But when you have heart disease in the supernatural, You actually can be cured. I was going to say you couldn't be cured, but you actually can be cured. But it's harder, right? It's harder. The supernatural heart disease is going to really do some damage, and not just to you, but to generations before, like, you know, after you, to people around you. It just doesn't affect you, right? It's, like, it's almost like contagious heart disease. Could you guys imagine if heart disease was contagious? Man, this whole, man, that would be scary. I watched movies and stuff, man. I was watching this little zombie movie the other day. It was a trip. Yeah. Probably shouldn't watch that kind of stuff. You got to be careful. And that's another thing. You got to be careful what you put in your heart, right? Now I'm thinking, yeah. Oh, my God. It was crazy. But they, but they called them hungry. So I was like, it ain't that bad. They're not called zombies. They're called hungry. They just changed the name. 
It's subtle. It's subtle. They, I know what I see what they did there. Yeah. <laughs> Got them. Got another one. But but the the great thing about when you do have heart disease in the supernatural though, there's a there's a guy you might have heard of him by the name of Jesus Christ that came and, and died for our sins, um, that that suffered, you know, um, countless, you know, hours and, and the beating and the humiliation, all for us. Right. So the heart disease in the natural can't be cured, but the heart disease in the supernatural can be cured. But you got to know what's your location. Flashlight. <laughs> or are you a beacon? Are you shining? Are you brilliant? Are you illuminating? OK. Spiritual roll call present. <laughs> present. And it can be completely eradicated with the, uh, the help of Christ and also those three things. Right. So what was it? Obedience, faith, and integrity, okay? So we got to make sure that we have those things stored in our heart because not in our memory because that's just a decision that you make, but are you going to recognize it or are you going to be like a man that doesn't know and you're just going to walk around and act like it didn't happen? Are you going to be a hearer or a doer of the word? We got to make sure we're doing the word, okay? I'm going to leave you guys with this scripture, and I'm going to go ahead and close. Proverbs 4.23. This really spoke to me when God gave me this word. Guard your heart above all else. You guys ever read something and then like the all is capitalized? I feel like it should have been capitalized. I ain't trying to critique the word of God, obviously. So don't look at me like, oh, the word of God is the I'm just saying, when I read that, I look at it with all is capitalized, right? So guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. So your heart is your everything. Whether it's here in this world, right? What'd you say? It's your compass, what she said. Sonar, compass, I love it. Heat seeking, right? Tells you where you are, little instrument. But it determines the course of your life. So we have to make sure that we're guarding our heart above all else. Yes, above all else. Might sound weird. Your spouse, your children, your friends. Maybe some things that you know you might need to cut out, whether it's what you're watching, what you're listening to, who you're around. Now, I'm not telling you to, to get out the machete and just start like offering relationships. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you have to make sure that your heart is guarded above all else. Pastor Keith said, pull out the machete and <laughs> Go and get that sling blade. Because because in all seriousness, your eternal life depends on it. And ain't nothing to play around with. Like, we got to take this thing serious. Like, I'm up here, and I I know I'm a character, man. God designed me this way. But in all seriousness, your life here in the earth realm might be successful in the world standards to what Ty was saying. It might look good. It might look glamorous. It might be cool. It might be what people are looking at on Facebook and scrolling through and, and uh, they're seeing the highlights. But when it comes to your life in the supernatural after this life, that's the one that really matters. That's the one that we're fighting for. That's the one that we're looking to really guard and protect. On that note, thank you guys. Appreciate it. Glory to God.